When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. As usual, with me, Russell Guyver, and my co-host, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Been better. At least we've stopped that losing run, haven't we? Just. <laughs> A goalless draw with Norwich. Lovely. Joyful. Um, Feels like deja vu. <laughs> our guest that we've got with us today um, cunningly avoided it, actually, due to a little C word and um, the COVID thing. Um, it, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> <laughs> it is, as you probably recognise from his voice, uh, it's the man who is the football finance guru, really. Hopefully the Swiss Ramble's not listening because I know you'd be upset with that. It's Mr. Kieran Maguire. Hello, Kieran. Hi, Russ. Hi, Pete. How are we doing? All good. All the better for seeing you. Yes. And, um, and it comes at the time when we've just had the latest set of Albion accounts. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But first of all, before I do, um, I invited you on when I bumped into you at uh, the Price of Football event. You did your first live event, didn't you, with Kevin um, down at AFC Wimbledon's grounds, uh, Plough Lane, back in Plough Lane, which is great to see. Um, and on, on the whole, I thought it was a great event. How, how did you guys find it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, it was a sort of bit of an out of body experience. You know, Kevin's a professional performer, uh, whereas I'm a teacher. But yeah, I, I, I loved it. Um, it was it was great to meet so many people that listened to the show. Uh, we sold I think we sold all but three tickets. We sold you know, practically 250 tickets and we've had about five or six other clubs uh, get in contact with us. Uh, Plymouth, uh, Rochdale, Lincoln, Peterborough, Accrington, Tranmere, all, all wanting us to do shows. Up there, so I think think there's an appetite for uh, yeah. Without you know, we're not there to teach people to be accountants or to like accountants. You know, that's that's impossible. But to sort of get an understanding as to what's happening uh, broadly, 
Um, you know, and Pete's Pete's cat looks equally impressed. Who's currently <laughs> up on the Zoom Zoom screen? Yes, it was it was it was great fun. It was uh, yeah, it, it was it was quite quite humbling as well. Sort of the people seemed really enthused to, to to give up a Thursday night to come and listen to me witter on about amortisation and spreadsheets. <laughs> and you mentioned um, Pete's cat there. Of course, you famously have a dog who's become well, he's become famous, Finley, due to the podcast, and he was there along with the Baroness, which for anyone that doesn't listen to the podcast is Kieran's wife <laughs> and um yeah the whole, the whole family effectively weren't they <laughs> yes yeah yeah well, well yeah it's it's just so nice to get out I mean the downside is we, we both think that we caught COVID there myself and Kevin um but uh but we, we, we've been through that now um and the the worst thing was um yesterday which was Sunday we we had been invited uh, for reasons we don't quite know why, to, to the Royal Box at Wembley to watch the uh, to, to, to watch the Papa John's final. So we were desperate to go, and yes, Sutton United's pretty close to Kevin, and they've had a fantastic uh, you know, recent period, uh, and it was a great match. But uh, if it had been left to our own devices, we would have gone. But both of us who have wives who are far more responsible than we are and and uh the baroness said that you're that's a very thick double double line that you've got there so uh you're not going uh and, and i do what i'm told yes fair enough i mean I, i've got the suspicion that i might be just um gaining said virus as well i'm not sure yet I've, i'm negative so far but um uh, i mean arsenal i'm supposed to be going to at the weekend and i think i'll be in the same boat as you kieran i don't think i'll be allowed out if, uh, if it proves <laughs> yes. to be the case <laughs> Um, hope, hope, hope it's not the case for you. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant event. I mean, I do think Finley did steal the show. I'm, I'm sorry to say. I mean, he, he really is the star, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wonky yes. chomps and all. <laughs> uh, up, upstaged by, as, as Kevin says, you know, don't work with children and animals. And uh, we, we had... Uh, we had a four-legged uh, scene stealer, and he is—he's a very photogenic dog as well, rightly or wrongly. So, yeah. As you've seen, I have that problem every day, pretty much, in uh, in work and everything. <laughs> and it's not just him as well. There's two of them basically like, alternating between them. Oh, really? Wow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about the Albion a bit later on in general, and um, any other football matters you want to discuss but we have just had the accounts published haven't we in the last few days and I, I know you've been chatting to Johnny Cantor from uh, Albion Unlimited as well on this matter um it's it's uh yeah I mean it's large losses um it's part of the course isn't it for any football club pretty much barring a rare few um what it does seem to not account for is any of the Ben White money which um makes the the standout figure, which is the fifty-three point four million pounds uh, loss, the um, I guess the the key figure there. Uh, do you want to talk about that first of all, and and what else stood out for you amongst the accounts? Was there was there any hidden clues or bits of information that perhaps would have been overlooked by the average Joe, which of course you are not, and you might have might have spotted. Um, well, you're absolutely right, Russ. It was a it was a fifty-three million pound loss. Um, we've been in the Premier League for four years now. We've lost substantial sums of money in three of them. So the, uh, the, the constant references, if you go back to, to when we were in the championship in those first years of the Amex and it was, you know, Tuesday nights at, uh, Middlesbrough and Barnsley and so on. And you kept yourself going with, with tales of the, of the promised land and how the Albion's finances, which, which were 
took an absolute hammering. Uh, you know, Tony Bloom was was incredible. Then um, it, it doesn't get any better. In fact, it gets worse. You know, the, the, the biggest losses, uh, the, the two biggest years of losses the Albion have ever had have been 2020 and 2021. You know, clearly there, there, there was a COVID impact, but even without COVID, the club still would have lost money. Um, in terms of sort of some of the the figures which which are um, perhaps surprising or perhaps not surprising to people. Um, you know, I've already mentioned Tony Bloom once. His his total investment in the club is now up to four hundred and twenty seven million pounds, and it, it's you, you you can you can write that number out. And yes, it's a big number, but I've I've got no idea what four hundred and twenty seven million pounds would look like. Uh, you know, it's uh, he's he's been. An incredible benefactor to the really club. Big suitcase, wouldn't you, for it? I, I think, yeah, an even bigger suitcase than than the prime minister uses to get his his, uh, his bottles of booze into number ten. So, yeah, we're, we're talking quite a significant size there. Um, so, even more than Uncle Terry, who you uh, well, we are, well, yeah, on the pod. <laughs> well, my my uncle Terry, yeah, that, that, that his his suitcases sometimes contained body parts, which which is, is, is a completely complete diversion. Rather not go down that story. You're never sure when the old Bill are listening or not, uh, as Uncle Terry used to tell to me. They do um, fuck our pod regularly, actually. <laughs> Um, so t- Tony's investment uh, is is huge. Uh, he he did put more money into the club, an extra thirty three million pounds. The club also borrowed from a bank. Um, I think it's sort of the first time that it's gone down that particular route um, for for a, a while. Um, and my understanding is that. Uh, I think Tony wanted to invest in some projects, and, and the bank borrowing was cheap at the time, so so he made a he made a you know a, a call on that. Um, even though it was uh, a year played behind closed doors, I think uh, people might be surprised that the wage bill went up, or perhaps not. You know, we're fully aware that uh, you know footballers uh, are are remunerated um, and it's a talent-based industry and and if people recall at the start of the season um uh this 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 young lad lad called ben white who who everybody thought was rubbish who who was converted into a great footballer by by bielsa uh, at uh, at elland road um he did sign a brand new contract with the albion so he would have been you know on on premier league wages so that would have contributed to the wage rise some of the other players you know we'd signed had come in um, and they would have been on Premier League wages as well. So, so the wage bill has gone up. Um, we are we are now paying a hundred and thirty five percent. I don't know. I don't know what your pay, guys, has gone up over the course of the last decade. Uh, but the Albion's pay has gone up one thousand three hundred and fifty three percent. Now, it's, it's 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 more than us teachers get. Um, and if you have got pay rises of that magnitude, well, good luck to you. I've, I've, I've never got any objection to these things. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, the wages uh, went up. The overheads came down a wee bit, but they, there were some quite significant COVID-related uh, overheads uh, in the sense that when the club goes to an away game, it uh, you know it was it was often using two or three coaches instead of one because you wanted social distancing. If the players were staying in a hotel, um, then you know instead of having twin rooms, you'd everybody have a single room. Everything was geared towards trying to to prevent the uh, the spread of COVID and people catching it in the first place. So there were significant COVID costs incurred. Um, the, the the TV money 
went up by 33 million quid when people might say, well, well, on that, you know, why? Um, and that's, that was simply due to, I mean, you know, every, everything's become a bit of a blur over the past couple of years, but remember when COVID first struck, uh, football closed down in March, 20, uh, 2020. Um, and by the time we got to the 30th of June, 2020, the Albion had actually only played 32 games. Um, then if we go for the year to the 30th of June 2021, we played six games to finish the end of the previous season and a full season for 2020-21. So therefore, there was far more television on, sorry, far more football on television. And that was the big driver of the increase in TV money. So TV money might fall uh, in 2022. A lot will depend on where the Albion finally finish in the table. Uh, and in order to go up the table, they need to they need to score goals. <laughs> yes. Um, we're not quite doing that, are we, at the moment? Not not as much as we would like to. Um Kevin, I'm assuming that would that would have therefore be the explanation as to why the turnover for the period has gone up according to this by thirteen point four percent to one hundred and fifty one point six mil. Is that that's basically around that T V money largely, I'd imagine, isn't it? No, that's correct, because remember we 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 had effectively zero uh money from ticket sales yeah there was those was it two matches before christmas mm-hmm. I, I remember attending one of them when only four thousand people were allowed to attend and then there was the the fantastic match against manchester city uh when i was one of the lucky was it eight thousand ten thousand who attended uh yeah. which uh which, which still still makes me glow with warmth how we how we came back uh, from two nil down against the the Premier League champions to 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 win, um, so uh, yeah, there was very little money coming in through ticket sales. Uh, commercial income held up pretty well. It was only down by one and a half million pounds. Uh, you know that would have been things such as merchandise sales. Clearly, the Albion wasn't in a position to do hospitality work and and conferencing work, which some of the rooms in the club are are used for on non match days and so on. Uh, so yeah, it was it was yeah lose, losing fifty odd million quid. You know, losing a million pounds a week can't be fun for anybody. But I, I don't think the results were dreadful. Do you, do you know what the actual what they expect to make from a match day where fans are allowed, obviously, with um, when they paid all the overheads and that sort of thing? What's the sort of what sort of loss was that? Not being able to have any games with fans that, except for a couple where they may have lost money anyway. I think, but based on stewarding cost and all that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we the Albion normally gross a million pounds a match for a for a home yeah, fixture. So, so we yeah, we, that's we, a big we were chunk down. of the money that the fifty odd million comes from that, basically, and kind of the. You know, I mean, it was still a lost money, but that's quite a big chunk then of the. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think had had we been in a non-COVID environment, um, we that the Albion would have been the thick end of twenty million pounds worth of uh, match day sales. But I suspect the broadcast income would have been down in a, in a normal season with thirty-eight games. So there's a bit yeah. there's a bit of uh, yin and yang when, when it comes to this this overall total. Um, it, I, I don't anticipate it going up by. Um, you know, the 18 million pounds or 19 million pounds that we'd normally expect to get from from home fixtures when we do the 2022 accounts, because uh, unless uh, unless things are turned around, uh, the way that the way that broadcast money is is paid out is that um, if you if you are if you are more than 10 times on live TV, you get an extra million pounds per pop 
and and, and this is this this makes sense because yeah we, we know we know who generates eyeballs and interests in football and uh you know the likes of manchester united and liverpool and chelsea and the, and the other big clubs um they tend to be on more often because they generate higher viewing figures so they get an extra million pounds um so uh, for every match more than 10 so if you're on 15 times you get an extra five million pounds oh. um the albion normally have been sort of you know 12 or 13 uh so, yeah they're they're not there's sides who are less popular than the Albion, uh, mentioning no names, <coughs> Burnley. Um, but um, yeah, we, we we know we know where we are in terms of, of our attractiveness. Um, and the the other issue which drives TV money is the final position in the table, which which from now on is probably worth around about two and a half million pounds per place. So you finish bottom, you get two and a half million. You finish second bottom, you get five million. So you know, whilst it's been disappointing to drop from yeah we were ninth for quite a while to drop from ninth to 13th or 14th yeah that's actually potentially going to cost the Albion in the region of 10 million pounds yeah the, the, the whole rich get richer poor get poorer aspect comes into this doesn't it in, in relation to what you said about the million per game over the 10 uh with United who, who get I think you've mentioned on one of the price of football price of football podcasts um something like three million pounds just match day revenue alone for United I think you said um so they've already got the benefits of obviously a larger crowd uh, income on match days. They get the extra benefit of the TV and so do the other big clubs, obviously, as well. So it does make that, that chasm greater all the time, doesn't it? And I, I think the other, the other interesting thing you mentioned about losing point, uh, losing money for each position we're in the table. And that is frustrating. I think also the potential attractiveness to other uh, po- possible signings in the future based on our position. Also, it's frustrating from that point of view. But on the financial side, I think Losing those extra uh, mills, um, which seems likely the way it's gone, is particularly frustrating because we were well above our expected achievements, weren't we? We, I think we've got the sixth lowest budget, is it, in the division? Mm. And we were obviously all season. We've been above that even now, slightly above it. Um, so it's a shame if we can't achieve that um, over-expectation level. Um, but I guess they also it just... devalued potentially Dan Burns' money as well because... Yeah, yeah. If we've lost positions because of that, then yeah. how much? How much of a good deal is that actually? Yeah, Dro- drop dropping from eighth to thirteenth is is the equivalent of losing the whole of the Dan Burn fee. Yeah, which would be a suddenly, so suddenly a deal that looked really good at the time, at least on paper, in terms of you know the money for a player of his age and you know, the fact that he was generally probably a backup at that time, suddenly becomes given our injury problems and issues since then. Yeah, a, a money loss actually, if anything. The sixth lowest budget um, factor, which I think that is right, isn't it, Kieran? Is that where we're at at the moment? As far Bro- as we broadly, know? yeah, we're, we're yeah. still awaiting. Um, yeah. There's some other clubs in the Premier League from last season who've not published details, so we're still awaiting uh, Burnley and West Brom and uh, a small club called Crystal Palace. Um, <laughs> they, they they tend to be always very late. Newcastle haven't done anything as well. So I, th- I think you know things will become clearer, but... Of the football clubs who have published data to date, I think we are actually the one with the smallest wage budget, um, which is, uh, you know, is, is, yeah. is frustrating. Well, no, it's not frustrating. I, th- I think it's indicative of, you know, we are where broadly we should expect to be. Because if, if, you, if you look at the data over a period of time, the one thing which comes up again and again is the more wages you pay, the higher up the Premier League you finish. And I, and I don't think that's that's necessarily 
um, rocket science, but looking at, at yeah, we, yeah, we are the lowest with the exception of Sheffield Wednesday. And Sheffield Wednesday were not only relegated; they were relegated by by a fair amount of uh, yeah, a fair amount of points as well, despite taking four points off us, of course, last season. Um, um, this so, is Sheffield United, of course. Sorry, Sheffield United. Sheffield United. <laughs> good grief. Yeah, so, sorry, right. sorry, Wednesday. That's, um, <laughs> that's so, yeah. I appreciate to be the bit how many they got relegated to us, given they're currently League yes. One. <laughs> um, so the Albion were one hundred nine million. Um, Fulham. Again, Fulham were relegated, 114. Southampton, 114. Uh, Villa and Wolves were close to 140. So, you know, there's, if, if, you, if you work that out, you know, it, it, it means that there's plenty of clubs who are paying substantially more than we are on, on a regular basis for wages. Based on my little calculator, which, which is rough and ready. So, you know, if, if anybody's listening from the club saying, got it wrong, yeah, I've got it wrong. I've got it wrong in good faith. I've got it wrong for every club. Um, I, I, you know, I, I estimate the, the Albion are paying just over 50 grand a week or around about 50 grand a week in wages. And, it, and if people think that's a lot, uh, you know, the average in the Premier League's around about 72. So, you know, we are where we are. It's crazy though. It's like the, the, we're the, one of the lowest, and we're paying over a hundred million a year in wages, and we're one yeah. of the in the Premier League. You know, you, it shows you where the TV money goes, doesn't it? Really, like, if anyone questioned that, and where the TV money you know, is being spent, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's uh, it reinforces uh, Sir Alan Sugar's uh, legendary comment about prune juice and football that the more you put in at the top, the more it goes straight through the system and comes out of the other end in the form of uh, players' <laughs> wages and, and agents' fees and so on. And you know, I've, I've, I've always argued that, I, that there's nothing wrong with that because I, I, go, I go along to watch the talent. Yeah, I go along to watch the players. And if we, if we want to be a competitive club, I, I personally would, would rather the money end up in the pockets of the players than in the pockets of uh, hedge funds and sovereign wealth funds and, and oligarchs. Uh, if, if the clubs are making huge amounts of profits, and, and that's what the you know, Super League and Project Big Picture was designed to do, was was to concentrate money, was to stop was to stop the prune juice effect, and to to redistribute money not into the hands of the fans. Yeah, you know, let, let's let's not be naive here. You know, I can assure you, the Glazers and John Henry and, and their cohorts have got no interest in our welfare, but it would have simply meant a, a switch of money from uh, from playing talent to uh, to owners. So where, where we're at now, and obviously um, taking into account the fact we've been through extraordinary times with the COVID situation affecting figures, are you relatively happy with where we're at in terms of what's been published and how you see things going forward in the next year or two? Because obviously we've got the Ben White money that will be amortised over the next two to three years, for little, or the length of the contract. No, no, no. The, be, the, the way that the way that you know, this is why football is 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 nuts in terms of the financing or the, the way that the financing is represented. When you buy a player, you spread the cost over the the, the, the length of the, the contract. So therefore, if we sign, uh, you know, Adam Webster signed him. Was he on a five year deal? Um, yeah. So that so you say twenty divided by five. That's costing the Albion four million pounds a year in amortisation. But when you sell a player. All of the profit appears now. It's because Ben White was sold after the 30th of June, 2021. All of that profit will um, go into uh, this year's profit and loss account in relation to uh, to, to Big Dan Burn. Uh, 
Um, he's, you know, he only had a year left on his contract. I think he only cost five mil. So there'll be a fair amount of profit, although I believe Wigan pick up a, a yeah. slice of that in, in terms of their, their sell on fee, which, which is, which is fine. You know, it, it's, it's still, uh, I think that's a deal where, where everybody wins. You know, the player, the player gets to an opportunity to play for his home team. Uh, the Albion will record a tidy profit. Uh, you know, Newcastle have got somebody who will shore up their defence. Although you know, it, it's things things are starting to soften again for Newcastle. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, Wigan, who have been through some tough times themselves, they'll they'll get uh, they'll get seven figure payout as well. I suspect. Yeah, that seems a very weird way of doing it. What's the the logic of that? Surely you do it the same way for buyer buying and selling. Don't um, it n- not. I, I think the view is that when when you are buying a player, if you're if you're buying a player on a five year contract and you pay twenty million pounds, you're effectively renting the player from the, from the previous owner or the previous club that which, which he played. And when you're selling, it's a bit like selling a car. You know, if if if, if you buy a car on HP or buy a car via a, a lease, you're you, you're getting a twenty thousand pound car, but you might be paying four thousand pounds a year in your lease mm-hmm. fees. When you get rid of the car and sell it, you take all of the profit into, and go straight into your bank account. And mm. yeah. um, I mean, the model we've got, um, attracting younger talent, maybe slightly off the radar, developing, selling within moderation in terms of numbers. Um, that seems to be a model that's worked for other clubs, such as Southampton in the past, um, seems to be working for us because I think looking at things very broadly, it looks as if we might get somewhere closer to breaking even with the uh, Ben White money plus other, you know, sales and purchases, I think balance out well. Um, yeah, so but, it has to be said that we, Mepu won't be in that occasion, Count either or Kukurea or Sherpa and all, the, all of our, and there was a couple hmm. of young players signed us, wasn't it? I think, I think it pretty much, the White money was used up pretty much on those players, I would have thought in the end. I yeah. think. Hmm. So it's so it's looking healthy in general, you'd say. And we, I mean, you like the model, presumably, um, in terms of it working, looking into the future, Kieran? Um, yeah, I, I think the club does have a model. Um, it, it does have a strategy, which which is uh, not always the case at other clubs who who tend to sort of uh, do things on the hoof. Um, the, the aim is to spot talent young. Um, you know, we, we've got... Uh, and, and then either bring them into the the first team umbrella or put them out on loan. So um I've I've been dealing on a regular basis with with uh, a journalist based in based in Blackburn who who goes along every week. Um and you have to is it Van Heck? Yeah Van Hecker I think yeah. 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 Well um ex do, he could be he could very much be in the first team squad next year. And that's that's the next that's the next Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah, according to now, yeah, that, that, yeah clearly, I, I don't want to uh, over uh, over eulogise, but uh, the reports I've had, um, and, and this is from a guy who's actually very level headed. He says he's never seen a defender with that much time. Um, right. So, so, uh, and that that's good for the Albion. That's good for the players' development. And uh, you know, if and the way that it works is. If he comes along, if he has one good season for us, great. If he gets two good seasons, great. And if he's as good as everybody says he are, then, then we're selling, selling on. So I think this is this is indicative of the strategy of the club. Um, I think we, we have made some decent signings of young players. And, and one of the things I did notice when I was doing an analysis of transfers, I'm not I'm not I'm not really involved in on that side of things, but I was looking at player ages, um, and I think sort of last year uh, there was only one 
player who was sold for more than twenty million pounds, who was more than twenty six years of age. So what what all clubs are now doing is that they're trying to get the players young. And if the Albion are recruiting players sort of in that that 19 to 22 year old age group um, playing for a couple of years, if the player goes on, then yeah, we can sell him at the age of 24, 25 for a decent fee. Um, and that, to me, appears to be um, the, the strategy which is being used. And I think that strategy has got a hell of a lot of merit. So we will move away from if, if you take a look at what happened with the Albion in, in the first um, few years of uh, our, our existence in the in the Premier League, first year net spend 54 million, second year 70 million, third year 54. Last season, or rather 2021, it dropped to 14. Um, you know, the, the sales that we, we sold, we got more money from from player sales from in, from 2021 than we had done from the four four previous seasons put together. And you know, and who are we talking about here? Yeah, were we talking about Anthony Knockhart? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was one or two others, sort of players who perhaps who we never really hit the radar as far as the Albion were concerned. But we were getting, uh, we, we're starting to generate fees for them. And clearly now we've got the Ben White fee and the uh, the Dan Byrne fee will be the main ones, which will go into the 2022 accounts with a view to, I suspect, having you know, perhaps having one big sale each each sort of financial year. Um, yeah, because otherwise you're, you're putting yourself a bit of risk, aren't you, if you, I mean, maybe a little bit of force this time for the contract situation of a few of them. Trossard, Bissouma, obviously, but Trossard and Mope and McAllister, if they don't sign new deals this summer, you wonder whether the club will try and cash in while they can rather than wait till they're out of contract to lose someone on a free. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is a consideration. I think, I think some of those players might have, uh, the club might have options. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact details. You know, clearly that's, that's, that's a private matter between the club and the, and the employee, but um, some of those players, you would hope the club would trigger the option. I, I don't think that there's one on uh, with regards to Eves Bissouma. Um, no, I'm sure we'd have heard by now because he's been yeah. talked, about, talked about so much. It's interesting mm. about 26, because I always thought there was a suggestion was that 27, 28, 29 was a prime. So it's interesting that clubs aren't really paying that much money for players, even at 26, when you just thought he's coming into his prime. And Well, I, I think I think the the logic behind most most club strategy now is that you, you buy them before they come into the prime. You, you, mm. you, you, uh, if you are paying... A hundred million pounds for a player such as Jack Grealish, then you're going to sign him on a six-year contract. Mm-hmm. If, if he's joining at the age of 28 or 29, yeah. you know, do you want a 35-year-old Jack Grealish still on 300 grand a week? Probably not. So, so therefore, get them 25, 26, um, and sign a six-year contract. You know, a, a player, you know, players are so professional these days in, in terms of diet and lifestyle in the main um that uh you know players of 31 32 are, are still yeah still in their prime one of the recent bits of news which is interesting is uh about the five subs thing that came in temporarily during the covid period um and that's been voted on and it seems to be going ahead now for next season um and graham potter we know contrary to most clubs of our size, um, he as manager of our club is in favour of it. And I mean, we're talking about developmental talent. Sarmiento, albeit by default because of an injury, came on late in the game on Saturday. Um, he has been getting some game time as a, a very young but very exciting prospect. Um, he's another one, obviously, to watch. Um, there's going to be more opportunities for those players, isn't there, if um, if you've got the five sub rule. I think it suits a club 
who's got our our policy and our, our, our developmental plan because we've got bigger squads, a lot of them on loan, obviously, but some of them not quite getting the opportunities that they would like within the squad season by season. And um, this would give them a better chance, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think if we compare the Albion to where we were in the very first season in the Premier League, we now have a pretty damn good 20, you know, 20, 20, 20 players who I, I look at that bench sometimes and I my God, yeah, that is pretty tasty. Uh, you know, yeah, we, yeah, we had Lalana, Bissouma, um, Duffy, you know, and, and, and Moda all on the bench um, on on Saturday. So, 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 um, and also, uh, I can I can fully understand why why the club and Graham Potter are in favour of the change because I think we are a, a club that has a training uh, psyche and culture which encourages. It changes in formation, changes in style um, during the match. And, and it's a very, very fluid style. Whereas I'm aware of some other clubs that were opposed to the five substitutes um, are, yeah, we're 4 4 2. We always play 4 4 2. You know, we, we, don't, we don't need five substitutes. Whereas, you know, with the Albion, you know, Graham Potter bingo before the sides announced is, is always quite an exciting thing. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and trying to work out the formation. Are we paying, you know, one up, two up front with one behind or one up front with two behind? It, it, it is very fluid. And, and having more players available to, uh, to contribute to that, I think is, is, is actually in our interests. Um, I think there will be, there are be, there'll be some minor issues in, in terms of remuneration because players do get additional money, uh, you know, if, if they get on the pitch. Um, I'm sure you're aware of a fairly well-known manager who uh, you know, was was quite famous with regard to to players. He'd always insist that he was involved in the players' contracts. And this isn't anything to do with the Albion, by the way. Um, so therefore, he knew that uh, if, if a player got a five hundred pounds appearance bonus, what what this particular manager would do would uh, if, if the player you know, got to the 90th minute, 91st minute, and you had two up or two down and the match was over, he'd approach the player and say, right, you're on a £500 bonus. Uh, if I bring you on, you get 300 I want 200 in cash. And that's, that's how football works. So you know, there were some baffling substitutions from some people. You know, clearly, we won't name names to, to protect no. the kids. I think I've got an idea who you might mean now, actually. You know, you've given an example. Mm, yeah, mm. we better not say that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> has he got a dog as well? What a chance. Uh, well, I've got a dog. Yeah, I, could no, a I mean, has he got a dog with a, with a tax account at all? Is, it that, is that an old no, 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 oh, no, it's not. Right, okay. No, 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 it's not that one, actually. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... My mind went there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kieran, finally on the account side, um, any final final bits you... You drew from there, which were of particular interest. Um, um, well, only in the sense that I think this this might surprise people is that the the total cost of the squad actually fell by the time we got to the end of twenty twenty one compared to twenty twenty. Um, the squad had originally cost um, two hundred and two million pounds in twenty twenty. It had fallen to one hundred and eighty four by twenty one, um, and but then, you know, the, the, you think about the nature of the players who, who were moving on, you know, Lacadia, um, 
Uh, Jachen Bash, uh, Davy Proper left, Matt Ryan left. Now, I, I can't quite remember whether they left before or after the 30th of June. So it actually meant that the um, the Albion squad was was valued lower than than one or two clubs in the championship, which which is indicative of sort of the level of spending, but also the impact. Um, and, and also, uh, you know, when you, when you look at squad investment, we, we've now got potentially two or three clubs at the upper end of the Premier League who have got squads who have cost over a billion pounds and the Albion's at 184. So, you know, when, when we talk about a two tier or three tier Premier League, yeah, that, that evidence is that um, quite notably. It's interesting because um, I'm assuming, for example, obviously under that system, and it is a, you have to be a little bit careful because Palace always use that as an example of how their squad was quite cheap, but then we're paying four players over 100 grand a week, or whatever, we get, they got on cheap deals. I was going to say, because of course we signed Lalana and Welbeck, presumably maybe as part of that, mm. that year. So in that sense, people, you know, if they replace players, then that side would go down, but then the wages would simply go up quite a bit from that point of view. Yeah, 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 yeah you're absolutely right. And, and you, you've got to look at yeah, the whole package. Um, if uh, everybody knows that if you are um, if you're able to recruit a player um, on the expiry of his contract, then the club has saved itself a, a fee, and therefore on the back of that, um, yeah, the, the club uh, the, the, the club will be expected by the player and all agents to uh, to give some of that money back in the form of wages. And also, the likes of White coming in as well, who obviously was a you know we, we picked up. Yeah. 16 on a free. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned um, Sarmiento coming on. Of course, then one bit of news from the Albion. Unfortunately, Jakob Moda's injury is as bad as it looked. Um, it's an ACL, nine to 12 months is looking like. And unfortunately, no sooner have Poland qualified for the World Cup than it now looks as if he's going to possibly miss out on that, as long with, of course, the Albion for the first half of the season. We really wish him the best of luck with his recovery. I can imagine how difficult it is to hear players always talking about that psychological and physical battle to come back so obviously that's sad news but just very quickly to round off Kieran before you go um, your thoughts on the season so far um, obviously it's taken a bit of a downer in the last few weeks what's your overall view of us this year compared with last um, I, I don't think the football's been any better I think the re- last year performances exceeded results and I think at the start of this season results exceeded performances and, and uh, I think we got a little bit giddy in in the sense that there were a large number of 1-1 draws which felt like victories. Uh, You know, you think about West Ham, Southampton, Liverpool um, and and so on, where and and, and both both Palace games. Um, you know, on all of those, we we went behind and we, we kept battling away, and, and you picked up a point, and that feeling of exhilaration. Because if you if you, if you just contrast that with, uh, you know, if, if we if we take ourselves back to the nil nil draw at home to Leeds, well, we got exactly the same number of points drawing with Leeds at home as we did from drawing at Palace away. But in terms of the the, the mental. F- Feeling as as you left left both stadiums, um, completely contrasting with one with one another. So um, I think results perhaps flattered us a little bit uh, and are caught up with us, and, and we're broadly where we should be. Um, we we don't look like we're going to score many goals. Um, the uh, I think we've had seven victories this season, and I think somebody said that in six of them, uh, Adam Lalana and Adam Webster started. 
So, you know, th- those two players, Adam Webster's a much bigger loss than, than perhaps we realise. Um, Adam Lalana, I think everybody knows that when he joined the club that you're not going to get 38 league games a season out of him. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's, he's got to be nurtured and, uh, you know, on, on his days, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I think fr- frustrated rather than disappointed. I know some people were perhaps, uh, you know, they're getting out their atlases and looking, uh, looking at, uh, uh, you know, Airbnb in Albania on a Thursday night, how much it was going to cost. Uh, and, and perhaps we were overreaching ourselves there. Um, yeah, we, 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 we've got a, we've got a bottom six budget. So we always had a tough run in as well. I mean, even I mean, we obviously got tougher in anyway, but we were mm. we played Tottenham or Man U at that point, and we played three or four teams. I know we played Chelsea twice, but we played three or four lower teams twice. Mm. So always going to be a fair chance. I think what we didn't quite expect was the Burnley, Villa, Newcastle results to get to lose all three of those. That's probably where people have yeah. Liverpool, Tottenham home, and United away. Probably most people, most people, you know, would expect to lose those three. Certainly the first, you know, the Liverpool and Man U games. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I was, I was at Old Trafford. We, we were the better side for an hour, no doubt about it. And it was, the, uh, it, it was sloppiness and finishing that again was really frustrating. Yeah. And, 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 and we hit the woodwork, didn't we? And kind of, and we made a couple of very good saves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Yves Basuma was through one on one in the first half and, and put it wide. And you know, no, no, no players set out. To, to miss the target, but I, th- I think we have the second lowest uh, shots on target percentage in the in the Premier League. Um, on, only uh, Norwich are worse, and that was very evident on uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's one it, if, uh, if if Tim Crawl had played an absolute blinder, and I, and I felt we had a good game. I, you know, I, I have seen I have seen it live on Sky the full ninety minutes. On Sunday, that's that's how tragic my life is at present. With like, when, when you're in when when you're having to self isolate a bit, um, but we we need to work the goalkeepers more because if you work them, then they're going to make mistakes now and then, and, and then you, you you deal with that. Uh, the save from Veltman was brilliant. I thought he kind of the acted reaction to push that away, and it's a yeah. decent from McAllister. But other than that, yeah. we didn't. We have 31 shots, and well, four of them even on target. Yeah. Most of them were in to Rose Ed, frankly. Exactly. We, we do need to test the goalkeeper more. You're right. And you get rebounds as well as mistakes. Yeah. So it could, it could just be a forced into a rebound and, and you might score from those. Very quickly then, final couple of questions. Um, in the absence of Webster for much of the season, obviously he, he, for me, he would have been man, uh, he would have been player of the season, I think, probably. Um, but in his absence, um, I'd go for Kukurea. I wonder your views on that and where you think we're going to finish, if you can give us a guess on that. Yeah, I, I, I think Mark Kukurea has been the, the standout signing. Uh, and in many respects, a standout player. Um, I think big things were expected of Tarek Lamptey. And he's yep. he's got what I'd say. One thing that I have noticed comparing this season to last season is that quite a few players have gone off the boil. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Eve Basuma, good first half of the season, disappointing second half of the season. He's now he's now not, you know, at, before Christmas, he was the first person that you, 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 the name went on the team sheet. It's no longer the case. Um yeah, you know, Leandro Trossard. Some some of some of the stuff that he does is still so sublime, but he's not doing it every match, and he's not doing it for ninety minutes every match. Um, and and if he was, he wouldn't be playing for Brighton or Albion. Let's let's be honest. 
Um, so I think he's. He, I think yeah, he he's, was until he had COVID, in fairness. But I think since COVID, he's really struggled. Yeah. Yeah. Like over the over the, uh, the Premier League break, because he was my player of the season up to that point. Yeah, and Lamptey's looked reticent. I think a little bit cagey yeah. since his injury. I think mm. a different reason, perhaps. But he, he, I think he's looked a little bit edgy. Anyway. Well, and, and where do you think we'll finish, Kieran? I reckon I'm, I'm going to say I would have predicted 12th, I think, around there, but I'm, I think we're slipping a bit. I'm going to I'm going to go with a positive 14th, okay, <laughs> based I'm, on the slide we're in at the moment. Look at looking at our next set of fixtures. I'm going 15th. <laughs> okay, yeah, excellent, Peter. Briefly, I was going to say 16th. Okay, we're, we're counting down here. We've got to stop there, haven't we? Otherwise, we'll be in the relegation zone. Just right. he says 17th. <laughs> Okay, yes, yeah, silly the cat, yeah. Uh, right, okay, on that note then, Kieran, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you're off to a 23s game now, aren't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. The Albion are uh, playing at the Amex uh, against Derby County uh, on the right. 23s. So um, I'm doing that. And then at uh, half past 11 tonight, I'm on Five Live talking about <laughs> Derby County's administration uh, <laughs> to, to, to an audience of approximately zero, I'd imagine, at that, 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 that time of night. Quite a season then. Yes, yes. True dedication. The Baroness is very Thanks so much for for coming to join us as well. Well, well, thanks for the invite. It's always a pleasure. Always always, always, uh, always pleasant to be asked. Lovely. Excellent. Thanks, Kieran. Till next time. Cheers. All the best, guys. again there to Kieran Maguire for joining us again um, to give us the latest Albion accounts analysis. that all sounded quite interesting, didn't it, Peter? Any, anything you sort of drew from that beyond what it, Kieran said? I mean, it's interesting about the uh, the spread of payments thing, isn't it? That uh, it's different for selling yeah. to buying. Didn't know. Yeah, that, that was interesting. And I, I thought that, that yeah, I, as I mentioned to Kieran, I thought the twenty six, the thing about players over twenty six not being bought for more than twenty million, which in Premier League terms, I know it's like our record transfer, but for Premier League terms, it's it's peanuts really. So only one over twenty six being bought for. Twenty million pounds. So, so yeah, it's it's yeah. interesting that they kind of clubs are moving towards the younger players and stuff like we are, and don't want to spend too much on, I suppose, players that don't have a sell-on value afterwards. Yeah. And it is frustrating with things like this. Um, once you've been on more than ten times, you get a million extra per extra appearance, and obviously that's going to favour the big clubs. Um, but I guess it is a pacifier, or at least an attempt at a pacifier, to avoid. Um, yeah, the European Super League type um, yeah. scenarios, because I think that's partly why the likes of Real Madrid and Barca want to move away, because they, they're ever greedier for more and more TV money. But they, they already get loads as it is. Um, but I guess yeah. uh, it, it is what well, it is. Well, I haven't said that. You look at Barcelona's finances. <laughs> they need all money. Yeah. Really. <laughs> well, they, they get quite a bit through um, the women's game, because they got, did you hear about this? They got 91,500. Yeah. At the new camp, ninety-one and a half thousand for a women's game, which is a world record by about a thousand and a half, beating I think some World Cup match. I think it was originally. Um, that's something else. That's incredible. I saw some footage. They had a, a feature on Football Focus with Alex Scott going over there, and yeah, really interesting how passionate they were as well. It wasn't wasn't just a load of people on free tickets or something. You know, these they are seriously up for it. So they were playing Real Madrid, weren't they? Which is always a, a game. That- out there. Yes, true. And this was, a, this was a Champions League called the final second leg, we should hasten to add as well. Um, but nonetheless, that's, that's great stuff. Um, speaking of the women's game, unfortunately, the Albion lost 1-0 at Man U. They have got back up into sixth place where they finished last season after a good win last week, um, 2-0 at West Ham. But this week, they lost only 1-0 and it was 2-8 goalkeeping error through the legs, agonising um, in what Again, it was Man United getting lucky against us, you could say. Uh, but there we go. But going back to the men's game, um, just a little bit further thoughts on the match. Um, 
I did a chat match day special with a few people just to get, you know, immediate post-match reaction and thoughts. But just in a more measured view now, of course, we can reflect on it two days later as we, as we record this. Definitely more measured. We have to, yes, probably less sweary. Um, what do you think about it? Because, I mean, we started with, you know, Kieran was talking about having strong benches. I think the bench was almost stronger than the starting. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a very odd selection. And I'm, and I'm still not that convinced by it. Yeah. Having watched the game. I mean, yeah. all of Moda, Alzate, Bissouma and Wepu on the bench. And to like go in, I mean, Grosh in midfield has not worked. We've shown it's not really worked. It didn't really work again. Although he yeah. actually delivered from set pieces of okay to that game. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, obviously, Moda will be out for probably nine to 12 months now, which personally obviously is news for everyone connected with the club and him. But he's not started any of the last three games, which is crazy in my view. He's been one of our best players this calendar year, especially, but also this season overall as well. <coughs> some reason Potter decided not to start him in any of those three games, Liverpool, Tottenham or, or Norwich. And I didn't understand that. It was no logic to it. And then I'm, I'm, I'm great. within 10 minutes he's been injured or five minutes he's been injured. So yeah, it's it'll be a, a huge blow, not just for this season, but for probably yeah. for next season, assuming we do stay up okay without even if we don't get one or two more points. Um it's yeah, it's a massive blow for the first half of next season. And if it's twelve months, <clears throat> won't feature much at all next season. Yeah. Oh, 100% agree with all you just said there. And I mean, the fact that he came in, in on the 83rd minute, it's fairly pointless by that stage anyway, isn't it? Um, so it's kind of, for the sake of seven to 10 minutes or whatever it would have been, um, you know, we've, we've lost him anyway. Um, and it, and to me, it was, although it wasn't a bad foul, it was a foul by Puki, in which case he didn't, and it was unnecessary. It wasn't doing anything. It wasn't needed. It was a needless foul and it made him then lose his footing and kind of, yeah, kind of obviously lose his flats in the ground. I'm not blaming Pookie, but I mean, footballers do need to, they do often make these needless fouls and they can end up players being out for a long time. And it's like, obviously not his fault. He obviously didn't mean that sort of thing to happen, but it was a needless foul the referee missed. There um, I say, could you say the more pay on the Arsenal goalie is kind of similar in that respect, I suppose? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Probably, although I... I don't know, it's a different thing. Morpé was genuinely going for the ball, whereas Pukki wasn't, I think it's just a nudge in the back to try and, you know... It's of... not a dangerous area, was it, I suppose, no. the difference as well. So it's more entitled to go for something because the, the immediate consequences of um, of getting yeah. lucky with a with a touch off the goalie or whatever would have been greater, maybe. I mean, the, the starting eleven, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, Sanchez, Veltman, Dunk, Kukurea, Lamptey, Grosh, McAllister... March, Trossard, Morpé and Welbeck. So both the strikers, uh, first-choice strikers were there. Um, yeah, so question for you. What mm. Duffy's done wrong? Because I know he had a dreadful game against Burnley from, this, from what I heard. Memphis didn't go to that. But generally, we're much better at three at the back with Kukurea and, and Blanty at wing-back. Norwich don't have any pace up front. There's no, you know, Pukki's not that quick. He's not exactly, you know, he's no. a player in the box, but he's not that quick. Why not play Duffy to give us that more control. I would have played him and I would have played um, probably Moda or Alzate or someone like that. And, I, and that would have allowed us then to and probably drop Dutch and Grosh. And that would have given us a better balance. And yeah, it just... And reward a player who's not doing too badly at the moment. Unless, unless there was something to do with the internationals where he was jaded. Or then McAllister played the inter- for Argentina. You know, yeah. kind of... I oh, just mean in terms of whether Duffy had a minor knock or something. I, or something I we don't know about. Rested for the last game Ireland played anyway. Oh, okay. Unless that's for the same reason, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, who knows? But it seemed a very curious lineup, I have to say. Wepu came on on the 79th minute, of course, and it looked um, decent. I thought actually the, the time he was on. Yeah, 
He did, didn't he? I thought he it's looked normal good. mix of one or two really crap passes to give it away in quite sense, in quite a slightly dangerous area, but also put in a couple of really good crosses that yeah. you know, if we had a bit more physicality up front, might actually got on the end of. So that bodes bodes well. I mean, the third sub obviously for <clears throat> with Sarmiento, who was the one who, who who was very exciting. He looked great, didn't he? I mean, it's only a few minutes, but I just wish we'd given him more time. I hope he starts one of the next three away games. Give him a chance to go out of fitness in a game. He probably won't win anyway. Give him mm. a go and see what happens. Yeah, and I thought Norwich were. I know they're obviously pretty limited anyway, but considering they've got, I mean, a draw made absolutely no good, no good for them. They had no benefit from a draw. It just put another nail in their relegation coffin. What was the point of their tactics? They didn't bother trying to get out their half half the time. They just sat. They don't have the pace to catch the break anyway because they. And when they they tried to, they did once, and that was the one time they should have probably scored. They did absolutely nothing generally except for like a five minute spell from about seventy. 75 to 80 sort of thing when a couple of free kicks. Why, what was the purpose of their tactics? Surely they should have had a bit more ambition to try and get the win, which might have given them a little bit of a bit of possum, whereas they, they had no ambition whatsoever to win it. They looked like they were happy with a draw, which was a pointless result for them. You'd probably say they, they would probably say that um, it was a matter of um, wanting to just sit in and see if they could just pick us off with one goal. But as you said, they didn't seem to have the ambition even when they had the no. moments to get forward. So, but they didn't, they didn't, yeah, even, be, and they didn't. Given our lack of goals, you'd think they'd, they'd take the chances with it, wouldn't you? Um, we had somewhere, depending on who you read, somewhere between 29 and 31 shots on, uh, on goal, not on, not on target, but all on goal. Um, I think, yes, I know. Yeah. I think we had something like, um, was it something like 18 of them were off target? And I think that's some kind of Premier League record. Uh, or and something the rest like were that. Blocks, they, kind of thing, or... That included blocks, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where the variation was. I'd be intrigued to see the heat map of where those off target ones went, because a lot of them ended up quite, in, quite high yeah. up where the stand. McAllister yeah. had probably decided the posts that weren't, weren't really close, but weren't too far away. But... Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get bogged down in stats, but another stat that we did see was that um, apparently now in games where we've had, I don't know why they've picked this stat, I suppose it just fits a, an argument nicely, but uh, where we've had more than 63% possession, there's been 12 games where that's been the case, and we've won one of them. <laughs> Which um... Yes, we've won a couple where we've got 62% possession. <laughs> yes, I think so, yeah. Meaningless, they, they've picked their own <laughs> marker, haven't they, really? Yeah, we have, we have to. I suppose we have to throw that in there, though. But, there was um, a point, though. They were saying that yeah, we had better results in our games, where we had more even possession or or even like less possession than another team. And and yeah, you can see where it where it comes out. But I don't know. It's, the frustration for me is that we we clearly have known that, and obviously it's, it's a little bit kind of guided by the accounts. And you see, you hear the accounts, you think, well, maybe it's not. You know, it's not terrible that they're not doing. But you know, we've known about this striker issue for ages. We need striker to help support Welbeck and Mopi. I still think once we sign Undav, we need another striker as well. Otherwise, we're going to be relying on Undav, basically, and the likes of Mitoma and, you know, Kozlowski and Sarmiento and Kadra to basically cover our defence, our attacking losses. The worry for me is that I was hoping we'd go by without the human replacement in the summer, but will we have with, with Moda out as well, probably quite a lot this season. And this is where I think I've mentioned a couple of things in the group. I think it's a perfect chance for us to loan a player in you know, cover their wages for a year and loan them in to cover for the fact that Moda is out for most of the season or, you know, two-thirds of the season, whatever. And then they won't affect Moda's development. They won't affect our youth, our young players' development who maybe aren't quite ready to be regulars but will be involved, especially with being able to use five studs. But the club just seems so, you know, kind of focused on not loaning players 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aaron Moore is the last one, apparently, and that wasn't yeah. very long. I think it was either. always the, the, the plan to, to mm. sign him permanently. So we never loaned a young player, except Izzy Brown in the Premier League. He's the only like young player we've brought in. And you look at the success that I think you were mentioning earlier, Conor Gallagher at Palace. Um, but other players, you know, they, they, they've often had players over the years who've done well with that situation. So, and other teams have as well. So why can't we do it? I know it's not, it's not a tactic that you want to do. You don't want five loanees like Fulham every season, but you do, you can use the loan market. It's useful. And it's especially when you've got a player out like Modder who's out for a while. Yeah, and you know he's going to already know he's out yeah. way before the transfer window opens. You already know yeah. you're going to need to fill that void for quite a while. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to spend money on someone and then back <clears throat> his development, other players' development. You no, know, that's that's you the paradox. The strikers, mm. you know, we need we may, we may need to replace Trossard yet next season as well as Vissuma. Yeah, yeah, possibly so. Um, USG, there's obviously three players on loan there. They, they're going to feature, I think, some of them at least. Um, they got a away win, I think, again at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, they'll finish the, the, the main season top. Yeah. yeah. Win the playoff thing. And they're quite well clear of third place. So they've got quite a decent chance of getting to the Champions League at least, which is like the mm. top two. As long as those players don't insist on playing the Champions League, and then we get an awkward situation. We don't way off that. Yeah, what Kieran said actually earlier about um, Blackburn was interesting as well. That how highly rated they are up there, um, in particular Van Hecker. Um, and you know, I mean, I've seen him only playing little bits and pieces. I've seen a couple of live games where he didn't have a huge amount to do, so I couldn't really get a proper feel for what he's like. But he um, he certainly looks the part, and if if he's quick with his speed of thought, that's one of the key different ingredients yeah. that Premier League over Championship needs. So. It, while he's flourishing in the championship, that suggests he could step up to the Prem, which yeah. would be great. Um, I think what's been said is Kadra's less consistent, but that's always going to be the way for a player in, in Kadra's yeah. position compared to Van Heck. Van Heck, you're expected to be consistent, yeah. solid, and you know, and you're whereas Kadra's, you know, in, you know, if you do things in Kadra's position, there's not everything going to pay off because that's the point. You take risks to try and beat players, and then they don't. So. Yeah. So I certainly think we can improve our attacking options through a combination of some of Kadra, Mitoma, Kozlovsky, who obviously play, can play attacking mid, um, and obviously Undav as well. And um, and Sarmiento, who we've been talking about earlier, coming through uh, the ranks as well. So but amongst those, the attacking side of things might already be set up better yeah. for next year. But we do, I think, probably need, as you said, the cover for the modest situation and also maybe another striker in general. But the one but, I'm really hoping next season will we'll get more fit and hopefully have a better pre-season and then become a key part is Mwepu, because... From bits we've seen of him, he looks brilliant. And I think, you know, that goal at Anfield was, I mean, yes, it, you could say, it's a, you know, it's a, it, a lot of the time he wouldn't go in, but to even have the thought to do that and to, to play that, try that was was brilliant. And if he can get into the team consistently, because it feels like every time he's kind of got a run in the side, he's got injured. It'd be really good to see him have a run in the side at the end, towards the end of the season and see how he could, he'll see how he does and hopefully then come back for pre-season ready to go and then make, yeah, make that play, especially if Basuma goes make that position in that central midfield his own next season. And Casado as well. I mean, Casado and Kosowski, the same as um, Kieran was saying about Van Hecker. Um, yeah, Casado and Kosowski are both regarded in, their, in their, their, their continent as being one of the best, brightest young prospects in their whole continent. Yeah, and Tim Vickery, I heard on a World Football phone-in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim Vickery on World Football phone-in, I think, at the turn of the year, just when we were about to sign. Um, oh, sorry, no, it was when we... Um, I think it was, we, we, yeah, we'd signed Sarmiento. It might have been earlier on. I can't remember now. Uh, but anyway, he was talking about what a prospect he was, one of the most exciting South Americans. And of course, they've qualified for the World Cup as well. So we'll see Caicedo and, um, and Sarmiento. In the first game of the World Cup. 
Indeed, yeah, because they've been drawn against the host Qatar in Group A, Group 1, whatever it's called. Um, the World Cup draw, just talking about that a little bit more. Of course, the big headline is Italy have failed to qualify. So they've gone from failing to qualify for the World Cup to rather annoyingly beating us in the Euros final to then failing to qualify in a World Cup again. Ridiculous, isn't it? And very irritating. I have yeah, and ironically, you know, I think everyone thought it was going to be a battle between them and Portugal and they both cruised through their, their, semi, their semi-finals. Mm. In the end, they very much handed Ronaldo the chance to go to the World Cup again, which is the downside of it. Yeah. North Macedonia, the team. Maybe you qualify if only to knock out Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was quite annoyed North Macedonia to knock them out as well. It would have been. Quite yeah, nice. I, I thought two in two in a, in a few. No days. chance. Yeah. Away was always going to exactly. be tough. Yeah. Well, the Italians, I think, as far as I know, there's lots of obviously doom-mongering in the press and all the other stuff over there. But at least they didn't all invade the pitch and rip, rip the stadium up, which is what happened in Nigeria. Um, I've been listening to a few bits about that. Nigeria, Ghana, big rivals. Um, the Nigerians apparently were full of bravado and arrogance, pumping themselves up for how well they were going to do and they were going to hammer Ghana and all this stuff. So, of course, when they lost, um, I think it was on penalties in there, wasn't it? Um, load of fans invaded the pitch and um, just they just tore up the dugouts. They were th- flinging them around. <laughs> um, all sorts of chaos going on. Um, it's absolute mayhem. But apparently in an incredible atmosphere, though, during the match. But Nigeria are out. Ghana are through. Salah is also out. Um, this is a repeat of what happened in the African yeah. final, um, where each time he missed the penalty, rather yeah. than not taking one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Senegal, uh, wasn't it? They were playing. Um, yeah, he missed the penalty. There's a lot of controversy because there were laser pens all over him, but just like a, a rash. And you know, whether or not that does put players off or not, I don't know, but it's um, it certainly wasn't very. Pleasant, and they've appealed what, about that. What was the same as the as Afcon was? Um, Mane scored the winning penalty again, didn't he? Kind of. Hmm. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Yeah. So Mane, the star again. It's a shame, in a way, isn't it, that we're going to we're not going to see some of the greatest players there. You know, people like Salah, um, Ibrahimovic, at least in his own head. It won't be a World Cup without him. He said before the old they best lost. Isn't going to be there. Yeah. Leon Pest won't be there. <laughs> yes, that's right. What a gutter. Yes, and many more besides. But. Um, you know, it's uh, it's good to Ericsson, someone who will be you know, the Danish and brilliant story. He's obviously come back to, to football with Brentford. He's been getting in amongst the goals and being a star for them. He scored at Stamford Bridge and an amazing win for Brentford at the weekend for yeah. one. And he scored at the stadium where he technically died um, just a few months ago. Um, having also, I think, scored, did he in the previous game? Yeah, it's been a few minutes after coming on the previous one, I think, wasn't it? It's been an amazing story for for them and for Brentford. I mean, if you told Brentford fans a year ago, even though they were doing quite well in the championship, they go and win 4-1 at Chelsea. (laughs) Christian Eriksen, who was at that point playing for Inter in their their, their Serie A win, was scoring the goals. Um, And I think they'd have been quite surprised. But I have to say, Brentford, on watching our match today, were everything that we're not. They attacked with pace. With They they, really had a go. Buemo and um, Tony were... Well, kind of, neither of them kind of stopped running. They they kind of pulled the defence apart. And Chelsea's defence is no, you know, they're not, they're not, they're a decent defence, and they're everything that we're not at the moment. You know, they played like we played at Anfield this year, for example, and played really well and could easily have won. But for some reason, we're not playing like that anymore. We don't, and we don't often as well. We on that game, we we really had a go and we attacked with pace. And when we do, we look a dangerous side. But I mean, Lamptey's a classic example of what you're, you when you said earlier about him, he doesn't look at like the shadow of his former self. Is he being told not to run at defenders? He doesn't seem like he wants to have a go at defenders and run at them. And when he when he does, a couple of times he does, he put decent crosses in on Saturday. But a lot of the time he's looking back now, which 
seems like they've almost told him to do that. Or is it he lost confidence or what? I don't know. But and obviously then with Kukurea most of the time being just more defensive, we, we lack the width that we had earlier in the season. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Interestingly, I mean, you say that, and we, we are still a point above Brentford, and we have played some good football earlier in the season. Um, what I, I would say is I exchanged a few messages with um, Billy Grant, Billy the B, the Brentford fan who had on, who's all over the media. He's been on Five Live and everything last week or so, as you can imagine, with the, with the Chelsea result. Um, but he was buzzing about it, pardon the pun. And um, he, <laughs> sorry, uh, but he was talking about um, how they actually describe themselves in a similar way that we do. A lot of possession, a lot of attacking intent, not you know, powder puff in the final third for a lot of this season. So it's interesting. Our view of mm. Brentford is that they look quite attractive. Obviously, that's one game on match today. So, um, mm. yeah, yeah. It but, is their um, first season up as well. We should be ahead of them, really. You know, it's, mm. like, it's their first season up. They've not spent loads. They, we should be well ahead of that side. Ericsson's obviously made a huge difference because a couple of weeks ago, it looked like he. He, he, you know, he, they might go down unless you've pulled into it. They've had a really good run since then. The interesting yeah. thing will be, will Ericsson regard it as a loyalty thing to go to stay at Brentford? Or will he reckon he can get a better team in England now he's proven his fitness? Because he's only, I think he only signed a six-month didn't he? So. I mean, I, the general consensus is he would want to stay in London. Um, I guess it's how much he's warmed to the club, actually, yeah. in this period of time. Because he may, he may have formed a really genuine affection with them, uh, lasting beyond just, you know, the temporary nature of um, the deal as it's perceived yeah. at the moment. Well, I mean, if he does stay in London, then probably he's, unless he wants to make himself extremely unpopular, his only options are, are Tottenham, going back to Tottenham or staying at Brentford, because unless I thought you could go to West Ham and be slightly better you know, above Brentford, but Chelsea yeah. or Arsenal were making him extremely unpopular with the, with the Tottenham fans. Yeah. Well, this is what Billy B said in, in one of his messages. He said, we smashed them. It wasn't even lucky. You'll know this. Play matches, create chances, don't put them away, lose game. That's Brentford, he said. Um, but he said, this time we created big chances, converted all of them, and even missed a few too. We're around to annoy more teams next season. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I'm really hoping it doesn't. I've got a few things that I'll be booked up to do next season. I'm really hoping that Brentford away doesn't fall on one of them. It's the one bloody game I want to do. Cause I've, you just know that's going to be your nemesis, that, yeah, that place is, in the yeah. Canada, isn't it? Yeah. Never going to be able to go there or whatever. It's just, <laughs> or I'll get COVID just before or something. You know, I might start a week before it for the way to avoid it. But oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. good, good on them. I'm really glad they stayed up. I'm really. It looks like they're the only ones who came up who are going to stay up because Norwich and Watford looking. Norwich especially looked down. I mean, they, Norwich and Watford in the four games we've seen them haven't looked like scoring against us really, have they? They both. They've, they've looked in those four games. They've all looked pretty dreadful. The depressing thing in Norwich's case is both times we've looked dreadful against them too. Yeah, Watford, we beat them pretty comprehensively twice. Yeah, nil-nil in both those games for Norwich. That's just not good no, enough, Norwich to be honest. Norwich has 63 goals in 30 games, and the two against yeah. us, we've, we've scored zero. So yeah. a lot, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? Um, one, one just final line on the um, on the World Cup side of things. Um, the, the England players, I mean, they've been quite commendable in, in terms of the way they've been in the media and what they've said and their role model elements. All that stuff's been great, and it looks like they're taking on the mantle again. There's a lot of um, kind of consensus towards um, England participating in trying to um, raise issues of awareness about Qatar and what's gone on there and what the status is over there. And I think Harry Kane was asked a lot about it, wasn't he, at one point? Um, but also, I think, um, Gareth Southgate as well. And apparently, I didn't catch the quote, but apparently um, Qatar's organisers have had a go at Southgate for having been critical, which I think is pretty damn audacious, to be honest. Um, 
they, there is a... They, they had a go generally. I didn't see the Southgate one. I saw other other people basically saying, people don't understand and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I mean, six and a half thousand are yeah. you know, widely reported to have been the real figure, despite what Qatar say, that of people that have died. And they're, they're talking about people dying of natural causes in bed, in sleeping in between shifts and stuff like that. I think mm, that doesn't sound right to me, does it? No. I mean, we're not talking about sort of 75 year olds having heart attacks here or but, something. But let's be honest, though, this is all down to, to one group who are well, the most corrupt group in world sport, who which actually is saying quite a lot because there's an awful lot of corruption in world sport. but. I mean, let's be honest, how much money Qatar paid to, to, to FIFA to win that World Cup, I don't know. But it must have been a lot because it's a, it was really impractical. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're basically breaking up all of the European leagues in the middle of the season for six weeks, the top European leagues, pretty much. Yeah. Every, yeah. every single one of them are breaking for five, four or five weeks in the middle of the season. Um, yeah. We've already got a lot of international breaks anyway and stuff like that. It, it's a ludicrous decision. And I mean, I, I didn't think Russia should have got it. At least Russia is, you know, a footballing country. From you know, at least at least they have a connection to football in the past. Qatar have no, you know, never qualified before. You know, they they've been they've got no reason to get it. Australia, who have qualified quite a few times for bidding and should have got it, um, which would have spent take the World Cup somewhere new anyway. Yeah. And yeah, and but that's the thing is, doesn't it? I've no faith it won't happen again. And it's like, and it's and it's going to disrupt the whole football season next season. Mm. And the escalation in reported cases of atrocities and war crimes, essentially in this um, conflict that's going on, which apparently is only a special operation, according to Putin. It's a war in the real world. Um, you know, it's, it's escalating and it's making the sort of insulting and quite frankly piss-taking application for the Euros by the Russian FA and their authorities um, just all the more sickening, really. And that guy, uh, Sorokin, I think his name is, that runs the, the Russian FA, I think it is, or the Russian sports minister, whatever he is, um, is a disgrace. I mean, in previous matters, he's shown himself to be so as well. Um, and it's just gone on from there. It's, it's unsavoury. I'm, I'm going to be watching the World Cup because it's the World Cup and we are in it. And I think it's a spectacle anyway from a footballing point of view. But it's going to be so much soured for me by yeah. where it is and how it's come about and how... The I'll spend a lot of time. Watch, I will watch probably England and that sort of thing. Maybe the odd game like Germany, Spain in the group stages. But I'd rather on Saturday afternoon or whatever, or a Sunday or Friday, go and watch the local non-league game or whatever, which I've enjoyed a lot more watching. Yeah, we're going to going to carry on some ground ticking, aren't we, um, during the World Cup yeah. maybe a little bit. Yeah, we can always watch the but, games in the pub afterwards. On a, on a side note, there's a lot of people watching Sussex in football in Sussex week, and there were over 3,000 at Littlehampton, over 3,000 at Hastings as they got one of the two points they needed to go up. And I think they such that they probably would have gone up already, but they need a point to make it mathematically correct. 1,500, I think, almost at Worthing. You know, there's some big crowds. Eastbourne got themselves up the fourth in there in the, in the National League South. Lewis sadly lost, but still are in the, are in, in the playoffs, I think, in the, in the, their league. So there's a huge, I mean, six footballers coming a great time at the moment. I think Littlehampton might well be heading up into the base tier as well, or at least to have a chance of. So there's a real kind of like, yeah, a real, you know, kind of excitement around Sussex football at the moment. We might have, you know, Eastbourne and Worthing, maybe even Lewis in the, in the National League South next year, or Eastbourne could be in the National League full stop. So we're riding the crest of a wave here, Peter, aren't we? <laughs> Hastings, Bognor, Horsham, or yeah. and potentially Lewis in that division as well. So, yeah, for Hastings and Littlehampton to get over 3,000 in in their games is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's, of course, that's the semi-final for the FA Vars. So yeah. And, and the Hastings one was to get prom- potentially get promotion. So, yeah. But still, to get crowds yeah. like, you know, when Albion are playing at home, where maybe a lot of their people 
for other my Albion fans. Maybe that's where all the empty seats were from. Yeah, and I, I think Little Hampton's um, capacity normally is 2,280 or something like that. I think I was reading. No, two, yeah, that's right. And they actually got some temporary stands and approved and extended it to 3,000. So it that wasn't a sellout. They could have got more. Yeah. It is a warning to Barbara and Co. that actually maybe you need to be a little bit careful because, you know, do have other options. There are plenty of non-league clubs around in Sussex. And yeah. frankly, I've had a lot more fun generally watching Worthing this year in the three games I've seen them than I have watching Albion, especially at home. I mean, there's not been many fun. I've only seen Albion when I'm at home once, and that was the first home game this season. Yeah, this season. yeah indeed. Um, a lot of people haven't seen it since Leicester because the Brentford game was put in such a bad time that no one could get there. So yeah. it's, it's, it's all very well for clubs to say, oh, we're sold out, we're doing this. But if people don't turn up, people are eventually going to stop renewing. And I got close to I did very carefully think about what I wanted to renew this year. And it was mm. a fact that I'd lose out on away games that kept me going because... The Amex as a whole is not a great experience at the moment. And up to a fairly strong degree, that's got to be representative. I mean, I mean you're just one person. It's hard to say, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not a freak scenario in terms of your, your, your thoughts on renewing or not. You have renewed, mm. but there must be a lot of other people that have been thinking on the same lines and many of whom may not have renewed. Who don't, we don't really know what the figures are on that. But, you know, it is, it's a buzz, really, the non-league scene in general. And Sussex football certainly is a part of that. And it's great to see. But yes, it is a warning for, for the likes of Paul. Um, who have we got coming up to see on Saver London soon? So that'll be, yeah, that'll be good. Um, it. Yeah, <laughs> this could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. In terms of um, Little Hampton, congratulations again to them. And also, if yeah. Hastings are, are getting up, then that's great. Worthing one again. Oh, as well, Little Hampton one. That was uh, impressive. Yeah, I mean, they, they hammered them. It was um, Loughborough. They, they were supposed to be the, uni, the, Loughborough students, were supposed to be favourites of the game. So. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so it's brilliant. Little Hampton had home advantage. It was a one-off semi, but they had home yeah. advantage. So fair play on that score. But nonetheless, great result. And because yeah, um, I think of the three over three thousand fans, seventy-five were from Loughborough, so there was a <laughs> crowd advantage there. Yes, just a little bit. Um, Worthing did win again. They are just one result away now, and they could possibly go up without um, getting a result at the weekend. Now it's got to that stage. Bowers and Pitsy away for them, uh, followed by Carl Shorten at home. So one of those two games should confirm it. Um, we're going to the one after that, aren't we? The Horsham game away, hopefully, and probably the last game of the season against Brightling Sea because. Um, Southampton very conveniently has been moved to the Sunday. I say conveniently, I know there'll be people listening for whom that isn't convenient at all. Um, but uh, from our selfish point of view, it is. So uh, it's not yeah. generally convenient for me, but it's convenient to be able to go to work as well. It's yes. not really convenient overall in terms of the weekend. But yeah, yeah, just push the boat out for this. What will essentially be a party day that one, won't it? The um, the last time game, hopefully, um, yeah, just brilliant, yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. The only other thing, any other thoughts on the EFL? I know Mark Robinson's left at Wimbledon. I mean, there's something like 20 games without a win now. They're looking like they're going down. Fellow Londoners, your local team, Chartner, looking safe now. Um, yeah, they lost time to Lincoln at the weekend. Yeah. Um, any any other thoughts from any other divisions? I mean, Fulham and um, a couple of strokes away from going up. Yeah, Fulham now. and Bournemouth looking very yeah. like go up, aren't they? And then, but the yeah. playoff race in the championship is very interesting. As I asked on the BBC website that they were naming 10 teams who could be in for it. I think West Brom losing yesterday probably pushed them out of it generally. But yeah. Luton up there, Millwall up there, Forest, yeah. where they were earlier. I mean, Nathan Jones has yeah. done a brilliant job at Luton, you've got to say. Yeah. And Russell Martin, I think, is starting to turn Swansea around there. I mean, they're dead, dead in mid table this season, but they're, they're apparently the most um, possession um, based side. Oh, they're the results of the weekend. 
Yeah, 4-0 away, wasn't it, at Cardiff? At Cardiff as well. That's so. gonna hurt. And that yeah. is the first time in the 110-year history of that derby that a double has been completed by either team. It's really incredible. well, that's incredible. Yeah. Here's yeah, another... Sheffield United oh. Forest have just... It's a, it's a, a lot of difference in terms, in terms of games. Some have got 40 and some have like, yeah. got 37. So. Yeah, because I worked out Fulham need 88 to guarantee, 89 to guarantee promotion, and that's because of Forest having games in hand in yeah. about sixth or seventh place. Um, here's another stat. I can't claim this one to be my own, but um, uh, what's his name? Oh, come um, on. Um, Murray, Colin Murray on the Quest uh, highlights the weekend for EFL came up with a brilliant stat, which is that if Luton happened to go up, they would be the first team in the history of English football, this is from any era, to have gone from the top flight into down into non-league and then back to the top flight. No other team has gone that far down and back up again. So, I mean, they may not do it, but if they do fantastic and at some point they will I suppose the given future. the resources they've got is that that's a phenomenal effort if they yeah indeed um, completely so so that yeah that rounds it up Peter any, any other football no um, yeah we're just getting to the interesting end of the season aren't we the uh, big six pointers yeah. and that and absolutely we'll, we'll review that the EFL and the kind of run in a little bit more in more detail at some later point but um, yeah I mean it's, it's all it's all shaping up nicely I have to say and Derby um, just one word on them I mean they've got a win and no one else did around them so they They've just kept themselves in with a chance. Yeah. I just don't think I, they're I was going disappointed to quite make that Reading got an equaliser at Barnsley. Cause I was, yeah. I wanted Barnsley. I really want Barnsley. So I really want them, one of them to stay up and Reading to go down. Yeah, same here, actually. It's just one of those things. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, I still got a dislike of Reading from when they kept nicking our best players that we've been. Yeah, I thought you might say that. Sibwell and Coppola as well, of course. Not, not that I hold grudges or anything like that. No, no, you've never been known <laughs> to, have been. you? <laughs> Um, so on that note, that, that rounds it up for this one. So just as always, if you can rate and review us, please do so. Apple and all the various other platforms, five stars, writing stuff, it all helps with our algorithms. Please help us if you can. And um, that all, all just um, gives us a bit more profile and so on. Um, as I mentioned on one of the other recent episodes, we are now on Patreon or Patreon. Um, so if you go to www.patreon.com forward slash Brighton Rock Pod, you are able, if you want to, to contribute a monthly figure of as little as a pound a month to just help us with our costs and all that sort of stuff as a show of appreciation. If you're able to help, fantastic, but you really don't have to, but we'd appreciate any contributions that you're able to offer. Um, We're also part of Sports Social Network, of course, still. That's still ongoing. Uh, We've been with them for way over a year, all going well. and yeah, all we're hoping now is to look forward to a new season. I want to get this season out of the way now, Peter, to be honest. It's, uh, mm. it's going nowhere at the moment, is it? And as I said, I, I, I think uh, we were talking about positions in the table, 14th, 15th and 16th. There was our predictions. I mean, I'd, I'd take any of those right now and just get it all done and dusted and get yeah, players I've, back for next I've, season. Weirdly, I feel a lot more confident about surviving after the results of the weekend and us getting nicking an extra point, even though we didn't go against Norwich. So... Yeah feel like we'll we'll probably be okay now but I'm, yeah. I'm having a furious I'm debate with Andy Bravery about number of points needed and uh, I've been insisting at 33 is enough uh, he, he wasn't so convinced but um, I think it probably will prove to be and that would mean Brentford are safe now as well actually but yeah, um, well, they'll good. definitely survive anyway um, yeah I mean they're yeah. a good run yeah. um, unlike someone else I can mention <laughs> yes exactly but, I mean I, I can't believe we're going to lose the next like is it nine games or whatever so. no. it's <laughs> football there's going to be twists it's not yeah. it's not a case of we, we, we didn't beat Norwich and we've lost to other teams around us, so we're not good enough to beat any of the big teams. That's not how it works. We'll, we'll pull off. Having said that, I'd, 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 I'd take a point for the next three games now, this minute, given what they are. I don't know. I'm so frustrated with Palace being a back above us and Southampton that, and Newcastle potentially getting ahead of us as well, although they got thrashed at the weekend. 
Um, I really want to finish above those teams. I know that's going to be very hard now because of the fixtures we've got, probably compared to them. Um, but you know, it is what it is. There we go. All right, and Peter, that's it for this one. So, and thanks again to Kieran McGuire for joining us earlier on. Um, yeah, thanks, Kieran. Yeah. So, thank you to him. The future's still looking bright. And Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.